0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series this Christmas season, RSVP. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. All through this uh, month, we've been looking at These stories from Scripture. We've been talking about the invitation that God gives to humanity to believe in Him and to be part of His plan to save the world. We've looked at the invitations that God has given to specific people, and we've looked at how those people have responded. Uh, Now, as we recount them, you remember that Mary was invited to accept the role to be the mother of the Son of God, and she responded, yes. And then we remember that God invited Joseph to obey the Lord's command and marry his fiance and to become the stepfather to the Son of God. And then we looked at how God invited Anna, a prophetess, and Simeon to wait for God to reveal the Messiah in their lifetime. And he did. And they praised God. And then we saw how God invited the shepherds on that night that Jesus was born to believe in him and to worship him and to tell others about him. And they did. All of these people responded yes to the invitation to participate in God's plan. And today we're going to conclude this series by looking at God's invitation to the wise men or the magi as I'm going to refer to them today. You know, when we, when we talk about the Magi, it's good to get a refresher on who these people were. So Greg Katsana wrote in Christianity Today about the Magi. He said, the Magi, or as some call them, the wise men, were from modern-day Iraq. They knew the stars better than the backs of their hands. In the inky, black, Mesopotamian nights, they had mapped the stars, the planets, and the comets. They had tracked the almost imperceptible trails of these things for generations. They knew the characteristics and the stories of the constellations. Not only were they astronomers, they were also astrologers. You see, they believed that the great God had diagrammed the grand workings of the history of the world in the stars. And so to study the stars was to peer into the future. Not only that, they're living where they were. There was a large Jewish population that had been moved there in one of the exiles. And so they became familiar with many of the Jewish traditions and scriptures from the Old Testament. They also knew about the prophecies in the Old Testament, the prophecies from Daniel and from Isaiah and, Dan- and Balaam and others. And so as they were studying the night sky, they saw something astounding, something they had never seen before. Was it a confluence of several planets coming close together in their orbits? Was it a supernova? Was it a comet? Well, biblical scholar Colin R. Nickel has made a very compelling case for a great comet In his book, The Great Christ Comet, he points to Balaam's prophecy in the book of Numbers, which he says he believes that the Magi were familiar with. And and this is what the prophecy says. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, In the ancient world, a comet was called a a scepter star because of the tail of the comet. The Magi seem to have concluded that Balaam's oracle in the book of Numbers was about a rising scepter star, and that was the key for them to interpret this comet's behavior. As the magi studied this they saw a star of some kind that so clearly signified to them the birth of a new king of the jews and they were so convinced of it they traveled some 900 miles just to bow before him and worship him as we see in the scriptures they said we have seen his star but it wasn't only a a guiding star it was a signal star it was a signal announcing the birth of of Israel's long-awaited king who would be called a son of David. So I want us to look at the invitation that God gave the Magi. As we've learned, they were astronomers and astrologers. So that means they were students. They, They were students of the heavens, and all of a sudden, something new was in the heavens, something they had never seen. As we said, maybe it was a a new star, a confluence of planets, maybe it was a comet. This star was from God, and they interpreted it as an invitation to them. It was an invitation to be curious. What do I mean by that? Well, Let me turn to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, which defines the word curiosity as the desire to know. So God invited the magi to do something that they were very in touch with. He invited them to study, to know something that they had never known before, to learn something new. And to do that, obviously, they would have to be curious. They would have to have a desire to know how to figure out what this star meant And so through their studies of the heavens, the Magi received this invitation from God, and possibly with the knowledge of the Jewish scriptures, which I mentioned earlier, they gained an insight as to what the heavens were saying. And we see them explain what they had been invited to when they arrived in Jerusalem. In the Gospel of Matthew, again, it said this. They identified God's invitation. They say... We saw his star when it rose. So we know that they studied what they saw in the skies and they interpreted its meaning. So now we have what God's invitation was, the invitation to be curious. Let's look at how they responded, what their RSVP was. What do you do when you notice something new or something confusion Confusing or that you can't explain. Marianne Firth is a writer for the Ontario Canada's Wheeland Tribune newspaper, and, and she writes: As a reporter, I pride myself on being able to get to the bottom of things. I like a good mystery, and I like it even more when I can solve it before anybody else can. So. Her curiosity was piqued when mysterious pink hearts began appearing all around her city. Soon, new signs appeared to accompany with those pink hearts. They had the name of a local park, they had a date, and they had a time. Unable to resist the mystery, Firth took her camera and went sniffing for a story. And a story there was to tell. She found a small crowd in a park on a rainy afternoon surrounding a man wearing a suit and also wearing a mask. And he was handing out flowers to everyone who came to see him. When she came there, she received a flower from him and then he gave her the remaining bouquet that he had. And then he pulled his mask off and he knelt on one knee, and he asked her to marry him." She writes, This was the man I've loved for the past eight years, who I built a life with. This was all for me. He asked me to marry him, and I said yes. So. Mary Ann Firth is a person who's curious by nature. And when she started seeing those pink hearts, she had to figure out what this new mystery was. Just like the Magi, they're curious by nature. But when they saw this new star arrive, they they wanted to figure it out. And they figured out it was a sign from God that he was doing something new. And they wanted to be a part of it you know at that moment they may not have realized everything that God was inviting them to get involved in but it didn't matter because they were curious and they wanted to figure out what this star meant when they realized it meant that a new king of Israel was born they couldn't contain themselves they decided to go and see this child and worship him and by doing so They were responding to the invitation that God had given them, which meant they were saying, yes, also not just to be curious, but to be a part of God's plan to save the world. Let's go back and look at their response. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 of Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. These verses tell us that they saw the star, that they studied it, and that they learned what it meant. And it meant that a new king of Israel was was going to be born. So they responded. They invested themselves. They packed their bags and they went on a journey to see this new child. Isn't it interesting to note that their studies and their interpretation, though, were not perfect? Knowing this newborn king was the king of the Jews, they used their logic and they went to Jerusalem because that's where the king of the Jews lived. Logically, they must have thought that the current king had had an heir, a son. So imagine their surprise when. They got to Jerusalem and they asked where this newborn king was and they discovered that nobody knew there was a newborn king. Imagine their surprise. I don't know if they could tell, Scripture doesn't tell us, but King Herod's response was that he was disturbed because this meant that there was someone who was going to replace him. So, He consulted the experts. He turned to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law and asked them what they knew from the scriptures. Did the ancient prophecies say anything about a king, a messianic king, a a king in the line of King David? And they pointed out that there was a prophecy in the book of the prophet Micah, which said this, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod hears that and he hatches a plan to remove his competition. He instructs the magi to go to Bethlehem, find this newborn king, and then let him know where this newborn king is because he also wants to go and worship them. Of course, he's not being truthful. It's a lie. Herod wants to know where he is so that he can take this competition out. Now, whether or not the magi suspect king herod has ulterior motives we don't know but what we do know is that they were curious they want to complete their search and they see and to see this new king and honor him because the heavens had told him told them that he would be the king that was special amongst all kings So they start heading to Bethlehem, and as night falls, they see the star that they've been following, it's rising, and they follow it until it stops over the place where Jesus is. Scripture says the Magi were filled with excitement as they came to the house, and they find this new king with his mother, and in awe and reverence, they bow down and they worship him, and then they give him extravagant gifts. Gifts, by the way, that may have served a critical purpose in God's plan to save the world. But I'll come back to that in a minute. What happens next is significant. The last thing that we ever hear about the Magi is this. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So remember the story of the Magi begins with them studying the stars and receiving a message from God, and it ends with God speaking to them through a dream. Now, I don't want to read too much into this, but maybe something was happening in the faith lives of these Magi because at first, God communicated to them through their heads, through the things they studied, through the things that they were curious about. He, he, he reached them where they would be most responsive. But now it feels like he's speaking to them more intimately through this dream in their hearts. Because the Magi responded to God's invitation to get involved in his plan to save the world, they obeyed what God told them to do in that dream, and they don't go back and tell Herod what they saw. By obeying God, we know that the Magi were protecting Jesus and his family. And when you continue reading in the book of Matthew, you'll see that as soon as the Magi are gone, God speaks to Joseph in a dream and says, take Mary and Jesus and go to Egypt. God tells Joseph to do this to protect them from King Herod who is planning on killing him. In fact, the scripture tells us that there was a slaughter of innocent boys in the age range of Jesus in Bethlehem and the surrounding area that was led by King Herod's order. Now let me circle back to the gifts that the Magi gave to Jesus and his family, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some scholars suggest that with the gift of gold, Joseph was able to provide for Mary and Jesus for the months, maybe years, that they were refugees in a foreign country. So even the gifts the Magi gave We're part of God's plan to save the world. Now, in every one of these messages, we've looked at God's invitation, we've looked at the response of the people, and then we've flipped the script and looked at how we should respond according to what happens in these stories. I believe that God invites all of us to respond to him each and every day with curiosity like the magi. Christianity is not a mindless faith. In fact, God invites us to be curious. God wants us to ask questions and not just to accept everything because somebody told us it. He wants us to check it out. Remember, to be curious means to desire to know more. When we become followers of Jesus, we don't give up thinking. We don't check our brains at the door. No, we're invited to be learners, lifetime learners, to go deeper, to study, to understand, to know. Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our minds. Loving God with all of our minds means seeking to learn to grow, and to mature in our understanding and our following of Jesus. But it's not learning more to accumulate more information. In fact, that's one of the problems I see with North American Christianity. We, we just want more information. That's not the goal. The goal is transformation. We learn more so that we can let God transform us into the women, into the men that he wants us to be. Transformation is becoming more like Jesus. There's a passage in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas have gone to the town of Berea. And from what happens there, sometimes Christians use this phrase with one another. You need to be like the Bereans. Well, what does that mean? I'll explain it, but first, let's read the passage. It comes from Acts chapter 17. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And as a result, many believed as did many prominent Greek women and men. So the idea of being a Berean means to be a student of Scripture, to be curious about what the Bible means and to want to know how to apply what it means to our lives. So I want us to look at what the Bereans did. In verse 11, we read that they listened to Paul's message and then they searched the Scriptures to check to see if he was speaking the truth. The Bereans were willing to listen, but they were going to study, and they were going to make sure what was being taught matched up with God's Word. So let's pause for a moment and remember that these Bereans only had the books of the New Testament at their disposal, and more than likely, it was far less than the 39 books that are in our Old Testament today. So uh, That's right, they had the Old Testament books at their disposal, but less than the 39 books. Certainly they had the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they probably had some of the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Micah. And so they were listening to what was being taught. But at the end of each day, they were checking and verifying what they heard. And did you notice how they did this? It was, an, it was a very important proce- part of their process. They listened, they checked, and they verified in community with others. Now, that may seem odd to us because we live in a very individualistic age. All of us can have our own personal copy of the Bible. We can have it in hard-bound Copies as well as electronic copies. We can have devotionals on our phones as well as books. We can do all of this reading, all of this on our own. But the scripture says the Brians were in the synagogue and they searched the scriptures day after day together. They studied with others. And there are two reasons that they studied in community. The first one, honestly, is a very simple reason you got to remember, this was more than 1,400 years before the invention of the printing press. And the invention of the printing press made scriptures more available than any other time in the history of the world. At that time in history, in the first century, the books of the Bible, they weren't actually books, they were on scrolls, they were copied by hand, And so you couldn't own one unless you had a lot of money because they were very expensive. But those scrolls of Scripture could be found in every local synagogue. So that's where people would gather to read and to discuss and to decide how to apply God's Word to their lives. Now, there's a second reason While studying scripture happened at the synagogue for practical reasons, there was a more important spiritual reason. Being a follower of God is not something we do by ourselves. We think we can in 2023, but being a follower of God is something that we're supposed to do in community with other believers. We learn from our Jewish ancestors that we must learn in community with others where we discuss and where we can debate and where we can wrestle with what those scriptures mean and how we apply them to our lives as one pastor writes if the goal of scripture is the revelation of god and his glory in the church then scripture cannot properly be interpreted in in abstraction from community from community wisdom from the mission of the church if we are to be bereans we must not divorce the doing of theology, the following of the Bible from community. We need one another to discern the teaching of scripture. There's one more important insight about why we should seek to be curious and know scripture, and verse 12 tells us: it says, as the as a result of the Bereans studying the scriptures, many people believed in Jesus. We don't study God's word to fill our heads with more information or so we can win arguments. We study God's word so he can transform us. And then we share what we've learned with others. So those same scriptures will transform their lives into becoming followers of Jesus. God is inviting each and every one of us to be curious and to know Him more. If you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, God is inviting you to become a follower of Jesus. He's inviting you to be curious and to ask Him if He really is who Scripture says He is. So don't be afraid. Ask Him and expect Him to answer. Now remember, He's inviting you to be curious, and so that's an invitation to read the Bible, to even study it with others and to ask God questions. And I encourage you to do that with others. So I hope you'll say yes to that invitation. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, he's inviting you to stay curious and to seek to know him more, and he's inviting you to join him in being part of his plan to save the world. And I hope you will respond, yes. So with that, I want to get practical. If you say yes to God, then you need to understand that that means you need to have a plan to know him and his word so it can be a part of your life. And so you can help others. The reality is this, without a plan, we'll never accomplish anything. So, you know, here we are. On New Year's Eve 2023. The the new year is less than 24 hours, and so I want to give you a challenge. You know, I I think that as your pastor that this is a, a challenge for me and for all of us, and it's to get to know God by going deeper, by reading the Bible regularly. So, Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Remember, we need to do this in community. I want, I want to encourage you to join a life group. You can go to our website and you can find our life groups and you can find one that fits your schedule and you can sign up for it. If for some reason you can't find a life group, then, then let us know. Send us an email. But there's another way you can do this. You can find one or two other followers of Jesus and say, can we get together regularly and, and read the Bible and discuss it? So I, I would encourage you to do that. Now, Studying the Bible in community is very important. But reading the Bible and studying the Bible also needs to be part of our daily routine. To know God more, you're going to need to read or listen to Scripture. So what if you made a goal for 2024 to read through the Bible? Now, I would encourage you, to, you know, don't be legalistic about that. Don't beat yourself up on it if you miss a day. But what if you made it your goal to seek to read through it? So I, I'm going to encourage you to do this. And I'm going to make a couple of recommendations. Number one, I'm going to recommend that you use a hard copy Bible, uh, not an electronic Bible. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I, I don't suffer from ADD until I have my phone in my hand. And uh, then I can get very distracted, okay? So that's why I recommend a real physical Bible. Now, I will make one concession, and and this is it. Maybe some of you are auditory learners. You know, you're just not a reader. Um, But if you could listen to Scripture, then you could take it in. So, here's my concession. I know that the Bible app will read Scripture to you so if you're an auditory uh, learner then i would encourage you to take advantage of that and let that bible be read to you so you can learn it and regardless of whatever your um, language of choice is the bible app has english spanish and and dozens of other translations that can be read to you so i would encourage you to do that now if you're a visual learner the best resource I know to help you study the Bible is called thebibleproject.com. Now, it doesn't go by verse by verse, but it it's a, has visual teaching that will help you learn a great deal about God and about the Bible. And if, you, if you're saying, well, Clark, that's a lot of information. How do I find it all? If you go to our website, um, go to uh, uh, valleybrook.cc. And look for Bible study resources. You can find all of that information and the links there. Why is this so important? Because I believe that that God wants to transform our lives. But we have to be curious. We have to be willing to seek him out. And when we seek him, we will find and we'll learn and we'll grow and mature. Remember, this isn't about information. It's about transformation. So, I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to be curious about God's word as we head into this new year. I'm going to invite Will up for our our last song, but to do so, to bring this message to a close, I want to pray for all of us that we would be curious. But I also want to recognize that maybe you said, Well, hey, you know, I, I don't really think I'm a follower of Jesus. How do I do that? Well, very simply, You tell him in a prayer, but this is what you need to know to become a follower of Jesus. We need to know this, that God loves all of us, and he desires for us to be in a relationship with him, but there's something that separates us from God, and that's our disobedience. That's our sin, the things that we do that are wrong. And all of us have sin, but scripture has told us that on our own, we can't do enough good deeds to erase our sin. But thankfully, God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sinfulness. And he tells us that if we accept him, in other words, say, I believe in him and want to follow him, and accept his forgiveness for our sins, he will forgive us and he will promise to be with us in this life and give us the promise of eternal life. So if you have never told him you believe in him and want to follow him, I'm going to give you the opportunity to now through a prayer that you can pray silently right where you are. And if you do pray that prayer, please let me know because I want to give you some material that will help you grow in that decision. And then I'm going to close in a prayer for all of us that we would be curious men of God and women of God. So if you would, bow your heads. Father, we recognize that you have called all of us to know you, to be curious and so, Lord, I pray for that one person or two people, whoever it is, who may be saying, I want to become a follower of Jesus today. And if that's you, I invite you just to pray these words silently back to God. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Just pray that silently. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. And I want to trust him as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. And we'll say amen, but I'm going to continue in prayer for all of us. Lord, we want to be curious. We want to be curious about you and and what your word says. We want to know more so you can transform us into being the men and women that you desire for us to be. So, Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would prompt us every day to open up the Bible, to read, and to hear you speak to us and apply it to our lives. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.